Section 5 of A Color Notation by Albert Henry Mansell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avai in April 2017. Chapter 3 Color Mixture and Balance. All colors grasped in the hand. Let us recall the names and order of colors given in the last chapter with their assemblage in a sphere by the three qualities of hue, value, and chroma. It will aid the memory to call the thumb of the left hand red, the forefinger yellow, the middle finger green, the ring finger blue, and the little finger purple. When the fingertips are in a circle, they represent a circuit of hues, which has neither beginning nor end, for we can start with any finger and trace a sequence forward or backward. Now close the tips together for white, and imagine that the five strong hues have slipped down to the knuckles, where they stand for the equator of the color sphere. Still lower down, at the wrist, is black. The hand thus becomes a color holder, with white at the fingertips, black at the wrist, strong colors around the outside, and weaker colors within the hollow. Each finger is a scale of its own color, with white above and black below, while the graying of all the hues is traced by imaginary lines which meet in the middle of the hand. Thus a child's hand may be his substitute for the color sphere, and also make him realize that it is filled with grayer degrees of the outside colors, all of which melt into gray in the center. Neighborly and opposite hues, and their mixture. Let this circle, figure 7, stand for the equator of the color sphere with the five principal hues, written by their initials R, Y, G, B, and P, spaced evenly about it. Some colors are neighbors, as red and yellow, while the others are opposites. As soon as a child experiments with paints, he will notice the different results obtained by mixing them. First, the neighbors, that is, any pair which lie next one another, as red and yellow, will unite to make a hue which retains a suggestion of both. It is intermediate between red and yellow, and we call it yellow-red. Green and yellow unite to form green-yellow, blue and green make blue-green, and so on with each succeeding pair. These intermediates are to be written by their initials and inserted in their proper place between the principal hues. It is as if an orange were split into ten sectors instead of five, with red, yellow, green, blue, and purple as alternate sectors, while half of each adjoining color pair were united to form the sector between them. The original order of five hues is in no wise disturbed, but linked together by five intermediate steps. Here is a table of the intermediates made by mixing each pair. Red and yellow unite to form yellow-red, YR, popularly called orange. Yellow and green unite to form green-yellow, G-Y, popularly called grass-green. Green and blue unite to form blue-green, B-G, popularly called peacock-blue. Blue and purple unite to form purple-blue, P-B, 
popularly called violet. Purple and red unite to form red-purple, RP, popularly called plum. Using the left hand again to hold colors, the principal hues remain unchanged on the knuckles, but in the hollows between them are placed intermediate hues, so that the circle now reads red, yellow-red, yellow, green-yellow, green, green blue-green, blue, purple-blue, purple, and red-purple, back to the red with which we started. This circuit is easily memorized so that a child may begin with any color point and repeat the series clockwise, that is, from left to right, or in reverse order. Each principal hue has thus made two close neighbors by mixing with the nearest principal hue on either hand. The neighbors of red are a yellow-red on one side and a purple-red on the other. The neighbors of green are a green-yellow on one hand and a blue-green on the other. It is evident that a still closer neighbor could be made by again mixing each consecutive pair in this circle of ten hues, and, if the process were continued long enough, the color steps would become so fine that the eye could only see a circuit of hues melting imperceptibly one into another but it is better for the child to gain a fixed idea of red, yellow, green, blue, and purple with their intermediates, before attempting to mix pigments, and these ten steps are sufficient for primary education. Next comes the question of opposites in this circle. A line drawn from red through the center finds its opposite blue-green. If these colors are mixed, they unite to form gray, Indeed, the center of the circle stands for a middle gray, not only because it is the center of the neutral axis between black and white, but also because any pair of opposites will unite to form gray. This is a table of five mixtures which make neutral gray. Opposites, red and blue-green, yellow and purple-blue, green and red-purple, blue and yellow-red purple and green-yellow, each pair of which unites in neutral gray. But if, instead of mixing these opposite hues, we place them side by side, the eye is so stimulated by their difference that each seems to gain in strength, that is, each enhances the other when separate, but destroys the other when mixed. This is a very interesting point to be more fully illustrated by the help of a color wheel in Chapter 5, paragraph 106. What we need to remember is that the mixture of neighborly hues makes them less stimulating to the eye because they resemble each other, while a mixture of opposite hues extinguishes both in a neutral gray. Hues once removed and their mixture there remains the question, what will happen if we mix, not two neighbors, nor two opposites, but a pair of hues once removed in the circle, such as red and green? A line joining this pair does not pass through the neutral center, but to one side nearer yellow, which shows that this mixture falls between neutral gray and yellow, partaking somewhat of each. In the same way, a line joining yellow and blue 
shows that their mixture contains both green and grey. Indeed, a line joining any two colours in the circuit may be said to describe their union. A radius crossing this line passes to some hues on the circumference, and describes by its intersection with the first line the chroma of the colour made by a mixture of the two original colours. Red and green make yellow-grey. Yellow and blue make green-grey. Green and purple make blue-grey. Blue and red make purple-grey. Purple and yellow make red-grey. Each pair unites in a coloured grey, which is an intermediate hue of weak chroma. Mixture of white and black, a scale of greys. So far we have thought only of the plane of the equator, with its circle of middle hues in ten steps, and studied their mixture by drawing lines to join them. Now let us start at the neutral centre, and think upward to white and downward to black. This vertical line is the neutral axis joining the poles of white and black, which represent the opposites of light and darkness. Middle grey is halfway between. If black is called zero, and white is ten, then the middle point is five, with six, seven, eight, and nine above, while four, three, two, and one are below, thus making a vertical scale of greys from black to white. If left to personal preference, an estimate of middle value will vary with each individual who attempts to make it. This appears in the neutral scales already published for schools, and students who depend upon them discover a variation of over 10% in the selection of middle grey. Since this value scale underlies all colour work, it needs accurate adjustment by scientific means, as in scales of sound, of length, of weight, or of temperature. A photometer, photo, light, and meter, a measure, is shown on the next page. It measures the relative amount of light which the eye receives from any source, and so enables us to make a scale with any number of regular steps. The principle on which it acts is very simple. A rectangular box, divided by a central partition into halves, has symmetrical openings in the front walls, which permit the light to reach two white fields placed upon the back walls. If one looks in through the observation tube, both halves are seen to be exactly alike, and the white fields equally illuminated. A valve is then fitted to one of the front openings, so that the light in that half of the photometer may be gradually diminished. Its white field is thus darkened by measured degrees, and becomes black when all light is excluded by the closed valve. While this darkening process goes on in one half of the instrument, the white field in the other half does not change, and, looking into the eyepiece, the observer sees each step contrasted with the original white. One half is thus said to be variable because of its valve, and the other side is said to be fixed. A dial connected with the valve has a hand moving over it to show how much light is admitted to the field in the variable half. Let us now test one of these personal decisions about middle value. 
a sample replaces the white field in the fixed half and by means of the valve the white field in the variable half is alternately darkened and lightened until it matches the sample and the eye sees no difference in the two the dial then discloses the fact that this supposedly middle value reflects only forty two per cent of the light that is to say it is nearly a whole step too low in a decimal scale other samples are nearly as far on the light side of middle value and further tests prove not only the varying color sensitiveness of individuals but detect a difference between the left and right eye of the same person the vagaries of color estimate thus disclosed lead some to seek shelter in feeling and inspiration but feeling and inspiration are temperamental and have nothing to do with the simple facts of vision a measured and unchanging scale is as necessary and valuable in the training of the eye as the musical scale in the discipline of the ear it will soon be necessary to talk of the values in each color we may distinguish the values on the neutral axis from color values by writing them n1 n2 n3 n4 n5 n6 n7 n8 n9 n10 such a scale makes it easy to foresee the result of mixing light values with dark ones any two gray values unite to form a gray midway between them thus n4 and n6 being equally above and below the center unite to form n5 as will also n7 and n3 n8 and n2 or n9 and n1 but n9 and n3 will unite to form n6 which is midway between 6 and 9 when this numbered scale of values is familiar it serves not only to describe light and dark grays but the value of colors which are at the same level in the scale thus r7 popularly called a tint of red is neither lighter nor darker than the gray of n7 a numeral written above to the right always indicates value whether of a gray or a color so that r1 r2 r3 r4 r5 r6 r7 r8 r9 describes a regular scale of red values from black to white while g1 g2 g3 etc is a scale of green values this matter of a notation for colors will be more fully worked out in chapter six but the letters and numerals already described greatly simplify what we are about to consider in the mixture and balance of colors mixture of light hues with dark hues now that we are supplied with a decimal scale of grays represented by divisions of the neutral axis n1 n2 etc and a corresponding decimal scale of value for each of the ten hues ranged about the equator r1 r2 y r1 y r2 y1 y2 gy1 gy2 and so on traced by ten equidistant meridians from black to white it is not difficult to foresee what the mixture of any two colors will produce whether they are of the same level of value as in the colors of the equator already considered or whether they are of different levels 
For instance, let us mix a light yellow, Y7, with a dark red, R3. They are neighbors in hue, but well removed in value. A line joining them centers at YR5. This describes the result of their mixture, a value intermediate between 7 and 3, with a hue intermediate between R and Y. It is a yellow-red of middle value, popularly called dark orange. But, while this term, dark orange, rarely means the same color to three different people, these measured scales give to YR5 an unmistakable meaning, just as the musical scale gives an unmistakable significance to the note of its score. Evidently, this way of writing colors by their degrees of value and hue gives clearness to what would otherwise be hard to express by the color terms in common use. If Y9 and R5 be chosen for mixture, we know at once that they unite in YR7, which is two steps of the value scale above the middle, while Y6 and R2 make YR4, which is one step below the middle. Charts prepared with this system show each of these colors and their mixture with exactness. The foregoing mixtures of dark reds and light yellows are typical of the union of light and dark values of any neighboring hues, such as yellow and green, green and blue, blue and purple, or purple and red. Next let us think of the result of mixing different values in opposite hues, as, for instance, YR7 and B3. To this combination the color sphere gives a ready answer, for the middle of a straight line through the sphere, and joining them, coincides with the neutral center, showing that they balance in neutral gray. This is also true of any opposite pair of surface hues where the values are equally removed from the equator. Suppose we substitute familiar flowers for the notation. Then YR7 becomes the buttercup, and B3 is the wild violet. But in comparing the two, the eye is more stimulated by the buttercup than by the violet, not alone because it is lighter, but because it is stronger in chroma, that is, farther away from the neutral axis of the sphere, and in fact out beyond its surface, as shown in figure 11. The head of a pin stuck in toward the axis on the seventh level of YR may represent the ninth step in the scale of chroma, such as the buttercup, while the modest violet with a chroma of only four is shown by its position to be nearer the neutral axis than the brilliant buttercup by five steps of chroma. This is the third dimension of color and must be included in our notation. So we write the buttercup YR 7 over 9, and the violet B 3 over 4, chroma always being written below to the right of hue, and value always above. This is the invariable order, hue, value over chroma. A line joining the head of the pin mentioned above with B 3 over 4 does not pass through the center of the sphere, and its middle point is nearer the buttercup than the neutral axis showing that the hues of the buttercup and violet do not balance in gray. The neutral center is a balancing point for colors. This raises the question, 
what is balance of color artists criticize the color schemes of paintings as being too light or too dark unbalanced in value too weak or too strong unbalanced in chroma and too hot or too cold unbalanced in hue showing that this is a fundamental idea underlying all color arrangements let us assume that the center of the sphere is the neutral balancing point for all colors which will be best shown by maxwell discs in chapter five paragraphs one hundred six to one hundred twelve then color points equally removed from the center must balance one another thus white balances black lighter red balances darker blue-green middle red balances middle blue-green in short every straight line through this center indicates opposite qualities that balance one another the color points so found are said to be complementary for each supplies what is needed to complement or balance the other in hue value and chroma the true complement of the buttercup then is not the violet which is too weak in chroma to balance its strong opposite we have no blue flower that can equal the chroma of the buttercup some other means must be found to produce a balance one way is to use more of the weaker color thus we can make a bunch of buttercups and violets using twice as many of the latter so that the eye sees an area of blue twice as great as the area of yellow red area as a compensation for inequalities of hue value and chroma will be further described under the harmony of color in chapter seven but before leaving this illustration of the buttercup and violet it is well to consider another color path connecting them which does not pass through the sphere but around it figure twelve such a path swinging around from yellow red to blue slants downward in value and passes through yellow green yellow green and blue green tracing a sequence of hue of which each step is less chromatic than its predecessor this diminishing sequence is easily written thus y r eight over nine y seven over eight g y six over seven g five over six b g four over five b three over four and is shown graphically in figure twelve its hue sequence is described by the initials y r y g y g b g and b its value sequence appears in the upper numerals eight seven six five four and three while the chroma sequence is included in the lower numerals nine eight seven six five and four this gives a complete statement of the sequence defining its peculiarity that at each change of hue there is a regular decrease of value and chroma nature seems to be partial to this sequence constantly reiterating it in yellow flowers with their darker green leaves and underlying shadows in springtime she may contract its range making the blue more green and the yellow less red but in autumn she seems to widen the range presenting strong contrasts of yellow red and purple blue every day she plays upon the values of this sequence 
from the strong contrasts of light and shadow at noon to the hardly perceptible differences at twilight the chroma of this sequence expands during the summer to strong colors and contracts in winter to grays indeed nature who would seem to be the source of our notions of color harmony rarely repeats herself yet is endlessly balancing inequalities of hue value and chroma by compensations of quantity so subtle is this equilibrium that it is taken for granted and forgotten except when some violent disturbance disarranges it such as an earthquake or a thunderstorm the triple nature of color balance illustrated the simplest idea of balance is the equilibrium of two halves of a stick supported at its middle point if one end is heavier than the other the support must be moved nearer to that end but since color unites three qualities we must seek some type of triple balance the game of jack straws illustrates this when the disturbance of one piece involves the displacement of two others the action of three children on a floating plank or the equilibrium of two acrobats carried on the shoulders of a third may also serve as examples triple balance may be graphically shown by three discs in contact two of them are suspended by their centers while they remain in touch with a third supported on a pivot as in figure fourteen let us call the lowest disc hue h and the lateral discs value v and chroma c any dip or rotation of the lower disc h will induce sympathetic action in the two lateral discs v and c when h is inclined both v and c change their relations to it if h is raised vertically both v and c dip outward if h is rotated both v and c rotate but in opposite directions indeed any disturbance of v affects h and c while h and v respond to any movement of c so we must be prepared to realize that any change of one color quality involves readjustment of the other two color balance soon leads to a study of optics in one direction to aesthetics in another and to mathematical proportions in a third and any attempt at an easy solution of its problems is not likely to succeed it is a very complicated question whose closest counterpart is to be sought in musical rhythms the fall of musical impulses upon the ear can make us gay or sad and there are color groups which acting through the eye can convey pleasure or pain to the mind a colorist is keenly alive to these feelings of satisfaction or annoyance and consciously or unconsciously he rejects certain combinations of color and accepts others successful pictures and decorative schemes are due to some sort of balance uniting light and shade value warmth and coolness hue with brilliancy and grayness chroma for when they fail to please the mind at once begins to search for the unbalanced quality and complains that the color is too hot too dark or too crude this effort to establish pleasing proportions may be unconscious in one temperament while it becomes a matter of definite analysis in another 
Emerson claimed that the unconscious only is complete. We gladly permit those whose color instinct is unerring, and how few they are, to neglect all rules and set formulas. But education is concerned with the many who have not this gift. Any real progress in color education must come not from a blind imitation of past successes, but by a study into the laws which they exemplify. To exactly copy fine Japanese prints or Persian rugs or Renaissance tapestries, while it cultivates an appreciation of their refinements, does not give one the power to create things equally beautiful. The masterpieces of music correctly rendered do not of necessity make a composer. The musician, besides the study of masterpieces, absorbs the science of counterpoint, and records by an unmistakable notation the exact character of any new combination of musical intervals which he conceives. So must the art of the colorist be furnished with a scientific basis and a clear form of color notation. This will record the successes and failures of the past, and aid in a search, by contrast and analysis, for the fundamentals of color balance. Without a measured and systematic notation, attempts to describe color harmony only produce hazy generalities of little value in describing our sensations and fail to express the essential differences between good and bad color. End of section 5